Welcome to week three of our Advent, our Christmas series here. We are so excited to be with you. And today, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this, where you look at life and you're like, you know, or something happens in life, you're like, wow, I did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming. I think it's part of what uh, made Home Alone the first time I saw it so funny is you just didn't see what the, the horrible things that would happen to Harry and Marv. Um, like, you, it was so funny because of that, right? You just didn't see that coming. I was young. Maybe I should have seen it coming. Apparently, it was probably telegraphed. But, um, but I just remember that. And I do know this. Looking back on my own story, uh, I remember uh, going to Colorado in August of 1994. Um, basically, I was going to hang out with a buddy of mine. Uh, his name is Josh Jackson. We had been good friends when I was young. We were going to hang out. We were going to um, try to find someone who would date us. And um, and we we're just we we're young. We we're twenty-one-year-old guys. We we're gonna have fun. And I ended up going to a twenty-fifth uh, anniversary uh, celebration of a church that my mom and dad had been married in, and uh, where I was dedicated in. And a lot of people were there, so I went to all these church services. And and I was just there. I, I was like, why am I keep going to church? It was so weird. I didn't really go to church anymore. And uh, the Lord found me that Sunday night, and uh, I came to know the Lord, and I did not see that coming. Um, jump ahead to September 12th of 1994. I'm on an airplane, a United Airlines flight out of LAX, headed to London Heathrow. I had never been east of Oklahoma at this point, and I was headed to England uh, for my discipleship training school. I just didn't see it coming. The entire trajectory of my life was altered by that encounter with Jesus Christ That's that August night at the First Assembly of God right there in Grand Junction, Colorado. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity of, of coming to know the Lord as an adult and, and giving him my heart and then being called into missions. And eventually, uh, during that discipleship training school is really where the calling of God came on my life to be a pastor, which <laughs> was never on the radar. So I look at that and I'm like, wow, I did not see that coming. I would have lived differently had I known, but I, I didn't. I didn't know. And I think much the same, Joseph could say, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see this story. I think looking back as he was a grown man, looking back at the years when he, when he was engaged to Mary, he could say, I just didn't see this coming. And I think he's whimsically and wonderfully joyfully surprised, but still it changed everything in his life. So here's who Joseph would have been at this time. He would have been 18 to 20 years old, probably a little older than Mary. He would have been a craftsman, a builder, someone who worked in the ancient trades of um, chisel and uh, mallet uh, carpentry, dovetail joints, uh, dowels, stuff like that. Really complex uh, carpentry, really cool stuff. Uh, there was no tight bond wood glue and nail guns back then. He would have been a craftsman. And his life would have been common. It would have been quiet. It would have been simple. It would have provided enough for a family, but it would have been tight. And he was just a good, hardworking Jewish young man. And the biggest moment in his life was on the horizon. Now, I know for a fact that a lot of you, uh, class of 2020 and now class of 2021, 
for 2020, you missed prom, you missed your graduation, everything feels really weird. Maybe your freshman year of college has been an absolute fizzle, you know, like, oh, that's been weird. Uh, things have just been different, haven't they? The big moments you were living for didn't really materialize. I know for some young people, their senior season for football and different things, it didn't go the way you hoped. And, and you feel like, oh. And I think for Joseph, he would identify with some of those feelings because the biggest moment in his life this is the only day in the life of Joseph where he would have probably been known and seen intentionally by his fellow villagers was the day he got married. It was a big deal in Jewish culture to get married. And there's a ton of marriage uh, language within the Gospels, and uh, there is a rhythm to Jewish marriage that we should understand because it's very different than ours here in the, the Western culture. Uh, it would have been this. When you get engaged in Jewish culture, it was an arrangement between families, and once engaged, you are legally married. And you'll notice some of the language in Joseph's uh, wrestling with what he does once Mary reveals to him that she's pregnant. Um, it's, it's language around being legally married. But the difference is, though they're legally married, they haven't consummated. There's no intimacy in that marriage as of yet because, and we can see this, there's some marriage language that Jesus uses in John 14. So in John 14, 1 to 3, if you ever get a chance to read that really cool Jewish imagery around marriage. Jesus says, if you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many, many rooms. And I'm leaving you to go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you may also be. Why would Jesus say that? Here's why. Because in Jewish culture, once you were legally engaged, the groom would go home to his Father's house and add a room onto the house for his home. And he would add on to the house. And he would work on that house until the groom's father said, it's ready, go get her. And then he would go back, get his bride, and there would be someone who was pointed to watch in the village for the coming of the bridegroom. And when he saw it, he's like, the bridegroom comes. And everybody would have started this huge parade and processional, and he would come and get his bride. It could be at midnight. It could be in the middle of the day. But he would come, he would get his bride, and he would take her that where he is, she may also be. So now you know why we, the church, are called the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. He has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be. Joseph would have been steeped in this culture. I don't know that he was building a house onto his father's house. We know that he probably was preparing a place for Mary to move into and be at home with him and make a life together, a life that would have been simple, quiet, and common. It was a beautiful future that they had. Even though there were challenges, it was their future together. And he didn't see something coming. What he couldn't have predicted was about to happen in the life that was ahead of him. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 21, I would like to read this, and I would like you to kind of feel the tension of what's going on in Joseph, who's engaged to Mary, and probably preparing a house for her, right? So even, even in this, we can say there's a good chance that when Mary went from Nazareth to Judea, Joseph may not have even known because he wouldn't see her until the day of their wedding. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? So maybe she was gone. So Joseph, working diligently on their home, finds out some news. 
Matthew 1, 18 to 21. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to marry Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Catch this now. Because Joseph, her husband, see, it's already official, was faithful to the law, so he was a good Jew, and yet he didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So we see that he was already legally married to her because there's that that word divorce in there. But after he had considered this, so I want you to think about that for just a second. He had had wrestled with this. He wasn't just like, I'm done with her. He had wrestled with this and he had come to a decision. He considered it and came to a decision. After that point of a decision was made and he had, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So many Old Testament things here. I don't want to go sideways. This isn't the first time Joseph has dreamed in the Jewish story. Um, okay, we'll, we'll stick with it. All right, and he came to Joseph and he said, Joseph, son of David, the Davidic line there, Um, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. uh, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin, virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So we can look at Joseph's life. This is such a tight little story but if you can put some humanity into it, and that Joseph, this, this real person with real dreams, had his whole world upended in this. But look at this verse in 119, it says this, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. God had given the law, so his best effort to worship God was fulfilling and living into the law because he was faithful to the law, and yet he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Uh, Some notes from our devotions this past week that I hope you're in those Advent calendars and reading this. Joseph was a man of kindness and integrity. What a beautiful combination. How wonderful the idea of kindness and integrity. He, he lived his life in the open, but he was, he was gentle and he was kind. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Another man may have said, who cares about God's law? I'm going to marry Mary anyway. That would show no fear of the Lord and little integrity. Another man may have been embarrassed, confused, or even angry, and abandoned Mary to the ridicule of the people. Joseph did neither of these. He did neither of these. And I think for Joseph, and we'll talk about this, that he probably saw this as a plan A and a plan B. Which one do I choose? And God would show him plan C. When all your plans are blown up, what do you do? When everything dissolves in front of you, when everything changes, when what you could have never seen coming lands in your life and everything feels upended, um, 
you can know that the son of the son of God was raised by a man who understood that dilemma personally and very well. Later in the life of Jesus, there would be people who say, "Hey, isn't this Joseph's son?" Right? They 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 implied his name was different in town because of what they claimed about Jesus. And so I look at that and think, can you imagine being Joseph? Can you imagine what it was like to walk a mile in his shoes, to not only be someone who's, um, who had to wrestle with the idea that maybe his fiance had been unfaithful to him, but then believe her in the claim that an angel visited her, then to have the dream and say, okay, even after he planned to do the right thing, God showed him a different way, and then to honor her and honor the son she would uh, bring into this world. His life, a simple but good life, was drastically changed, and I think it would do us good to look at his response to drastic change. Was it hopeful, or was it imploding? He loved God. He was faithful to the law. He loved the Lord his God. He would have been a Jew, he was a Jew who would have woke up and, and read the prayer of the Shema, or probably just by heart, said the prayer of the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know, and he would have gone through that whole prayer. That would have been part of his daily rhythm. He loved God and he sought to observe the law and commandments of his God to be in faithful relationship with the God who had made a covenant clear back with his ancient you know, grandfather, King David. And before that, Moses. He knew his lineage and he loved Mary. It's clear that he loved her and thought highly of her because in an age where women were treated as chattel property, Joseph didn't want to open her up to ridicule and scorn. What he wanted to do was to quietly move on with his life, probably brokenhearted, but leave her not to the shame and contempt of the community, but just quietly separate. He loved her and he was kind to her. Divorce in a quiet way was the kindest thing he could think of doing but still honoring God. He couldn't live in the unfaithfulness that seemed to be there. Even though it wasn't, he, he could only see what was in front of him. And since he loved God and loved her, he found the best way possible. But then an angel appeared to him. An angel came to him. And what did he do? He obeyed God. When we face a difficult impasse in our life, we are people who claim Christ is Savior, and Christ claimed for us, it's not my claim, it's Jesus' claim, that the Holy Spirit would come and be an advocate, which is like a lawyer, are you on our behalf, a counselor, one to give guidance and wisdom to our life, the very, um, the very presence of God filling us. We are spirit-filled people. We can invite the Holy Spirit to speak into the impasse. When we see one way or the other, God may see a third way. God may open the door, of the eyes of our heart to a different way. We must plan to do what we have already learned from God. When we live into and understand scripture, but also when we are wrestling with a difficult real life situation, 
My God, what do we do? We as spirit-filled people should invite the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, his wisdom. God, how do you see this? I guarantee God was excited for Joseph, even though Joseph felt upended. So if you ever feel upended, what can we do? We can return to the God who sees a larger image of what's going on, who has a greater plan, and we can ask him to speak into this. Because sometimes there's a better way than the A and B we've laid out. Sometimes there's a way that honors God. Joseph was moving on in the direction to quietly honor God by quietly divorcing Mary. But God was going to do something miraculous in his own heart. God was going to show up. Joseph couldn't understand what was going on yet but God would make it clear. God would bring it to pass so he could see what was going on. You know, I think back just like me, uh, going to Colorado, I had my own motives. They were not that good. But here's the thing, God had his plan and he would redeem and do something in my life that I cannot, I still cannot believe. I wish I could bring that guy here and stand him next to you all young and tan and cocky and thinks he's the thing. And you'd be like, oh, what a train wreck, right? But God had a plan for that guy, for that 21-year-old me that I could have never dreamed. And I thought I was going to Colorado for a certain reason. God had other plans. God had other plans. And he upended my life. And I'm so thankful for it. And I remember inviting the Spirit to fill me at my DTS and seeing that God had a plan. And then when God spoke the calling into my life about pastoral ministry, and he showed me literally in a vision in the middle of a field, the calling to pastoral ministry, I'm like, okay, wow, that's just not, that's super weird. I didn't think I was allowed to be, actually. And, and leaning into it and calling my uncle and being like, what does this mean? And just trying to figure out what even to do. God's calling usually interrupts our plans. Well, it doesn't usually, it always interrupts our plans. But what we respond with is one of two things. Our plan or the humble response of obedience by a servant of God. Joseph gives us a beautiful model of someone who loved God and was faithful to his law, but also loved Mary. And the two couldn't coexist until God got involved and showed him what was going on. When you're faced with an interruption, you can move forward in what you already know of God, what he has taught you. So when you face this impasse, God, what would you do? Speak to me, help help me, guide me. I don't understand. I don't understand how to move forward. Can you imagine, Joseph? God, what do I do? Everything's ruined. Everything's different. And God's sitting there going, no, everything's perfect. I've been planning this for thousands of years. I've been planning this, and Joseph obviously opened his life to the counsel of God. If you're being faithful to God in your heart, he will redirect you. He will guide you. It may not be on a path you would have thought of. He will speak. If it's not the right way to proceed in your life and you're heading down it, he will speak. The question is, will you listen? Will you listen and will you trust him? He will show you the plan C that maybe you could have never even thought of. You could have never dreamed of in your own life. Time after time, time and again in this story, Joseph would simply obey. 
Like literally, if you look at it in Matthew 1, uh, so the story we talked about, Matthew has a dream, an angel visits him and says, the child Mary carries is of the Lord. You take her in and marry her. But don't really lay a hand on her either, and he does this. But then an angel appears to him and says, hey, you need to go to Egypt. Herod's trying to kill the boy, so they go to Egypt. Then after Herod dies, Joseph has another dream in Egypt and says, you can come home now. I mean, every night when he went to bed, he must be like, get the donkey ready. We're going somewhere because he's having these dreams. The Lord's visiting him. And every time, what do we see? Joseph obeys. He had no real evidence that Herod had died. He had no understanding that the child Jesus, who was the son of God, would be saved. But when the angel told him to go, he packed up and they went home to Nazareth. And they passed through the hill country of Judea where Herod had lived wanting to kill the boy he traveled with. I just find it amazing that he would go to bed at night and be like, you know we may be moving tomorrow, depending on who shows up when I am asleep tonight. I love that, because whatever God spoke, he obeyed. So here's what it tells me. Life may be disrupted, but it isn't ruined. Joseph's story reminds us time and again, when Jesus Christ is involved, when he's the center of things, life will be disrupted, but it is not ruined. God is pulling all things back into his plan, which means things from this world will get dislocated to realign with God's plan. It's okay if the dislocation of our plans hurts as long as the obedience to God follows from us. God may change everything you planned on doing and being, but he will do so for his glory through your life. Thank God for the carpenter Joseph and how he responded. And gives us a model to say it's not easy, it's probably very frightening, but it is a life that makes room for the Son of God to be present in this world. Hear that. Your obedience, like Joseph's, becomes a life that makes room for the Son of God to be present right where you are in a common, quiet life. I love that reality. Think of Joseph when you're faced with a test. And I invite you, remain faithful to God. Remain faithful to God, because his plans, his plans will not change. And the hope of Christ is seen in the life of Joseph. In the life of Joseph, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was a tradesman. He was a carpenter. He was a craftsman. Why? Because one man named Joseph obeyed the Lord and trained his son up as best he could to know God. I mean, I love that Joseph was faithful to the law. Why? Because Jesus was raised in a faithful home. Jesus, the man he became, was was molded by his dad, Joseph, his earthly father. So we realize the importance of obedience, of kindness. I just want to challenge you. Obey him. His plans cannot be broken. God's will will not be interrupted. But the only question is, do we who are called by him according to his purposes, do we have the courage to obey him when our plans are disrupted, when things seem ruined? Do we have the courage to obey him in mission in the common, quiet life we lead? 
May God give you the courage to obey and live a life like Joseph's. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the way you speak in the life of Joseph. Thank you for the way you love us and the way you work in us. God, it feels like almost in spite of us sometimes. You just work and your kindness is overwhelming. So we love you, Lord, and we ask, come, Lord Jesus, come into our life. Be near to us and give us the courage of your presence to obey and see the world around us transformed. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when we think about uh, how Joseph would have been preparing a place for a life with Mary, um, preparing a a room, right, for them to live in, for them to be at home in, um, and everything seems so disrupted, and he probably thought, I've been doing all this work, making room for her, and then this happens, not knowing that God was making room in Joseph's heart, in Joseph's life, for Christ to be present, for Christ to be in his life, but not just in his life, God was making room in Joseph's heart. He was, he was preparing Joseph to receive the Son of God into his life. Yes, his everyday ordinary life, but also to believe in that boy who would become a man, who would be his savior. And I look at that and I just think, are we okay with it? That sometimes God has to make room in our heart in painful ways for his son to be received. So take that word and make room. Let God do his work to prepare you to fully receive the one, the one thing that matters, his son, Jesus Christ. And then, out of him being present in your life, go and live a life that is full of the hope of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, in the world around you. Just like we said of Joseph, Joseph made room in his life for Jesus to be present in that village. My hope and prayer is that God is making room in you so that Jesus will be present in this village or whatever village you live in as you watch this. And as you go into your life to let Jesus Christ be present and be known, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, grace and peace, my friends, as you go into the life you lead with the presence of Christ filling you.